You're listening to the Chocolate Milk Podcast with your host, Rahil. From NHL hot takes to international stories about the world of hockey, you'll find all your hockey-related content here on the Chocolate Milk Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we have come to that time in the hockey season where everyone is bored out of their goddamn minds. Yes, it is the boring August and September month. September is at least a little bit more better because the month of September at least has like training camp, like rookie camp, and then there's a couple preseason games. August is like literally like the scraps of free agency, the small trades that are going to be made. I mean, obviously, we have a huge Jack Eichel trade that we're waiting to have happen, but just from looking at it so far, it doesn't look like there's going to be a Jack Eichel trade anytime soon, which really does suck. And as someone who has a hockey podcast and who talks about hockey and who loves hockey, I'm literally sitting here like, I don't know if anyone's seen the meme of like the dude who pokes, like is poking the stick and he's like, come on, do stuff. That's me. Like imagine like the NHL and then I'm there with a, like a stick, not even like a, like a wooden, like stick, like a branch. And I'm just like, come on, do something, make a trade, have some controversy. That's not inappropriate or anything like that. But what is up, you guys? Welcome to the Chocolate Milk Podcast with your host, Rahil. Just a reminder that the Chocolate Milk Podcast is a Shape by Sports production. Do not forget to go check out Shape by Sports on Instagram and their website, shapebysports.com. Great website. But guys, I struggled so hard to make this episode because like, I was thinking about like what news can I talk about? What big free agency stuff can I talk about? And free agency in its own, like what happened in the NHL. First off, this year's free agency was absolutely insane. It was like chaotic there were like dozens over a dozen goalies that moved like a couple big names moved there were a couple surprising moves there's a little bit of everything this offseason and i think that made it a lot of fun and a lot more enjoyable for like the average hockey fan i think because so many people are talking about how much money was spent especially given that it's a flat cap with covid and the pandemic and everything yeah i know the pandemic's still around i know oh my god can it just go away already like god but first thing I want to get out of the way before I talk about anything about the offseason uh, is I want to talk about the Montreal Canadiens really quickly and the Logan Mayu pick. I was live streaming it on Twitch, uh, the NHL entry draft when they made that pick. And I had like a moment of like, wait, is that who I think it is? And then I realized it was the guy who obviously was charged and then chaos ensued all over social media and still continues to ensue. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Logan Mayu, uh, I think he was in Sweden. I don't know if he was playing hockey in Sweden, um, but he was with a girl. They were doing some stuff and basically he took a picture of her performing a sexual act without her consent and shared it with his teammates. He got in trouble. He got charged in Sweden. So this man did get charged for a sexual crime um, and he renounced himself from the NHL draft. He basically went on Twitter and said, like, you know what? Like, being drafted is a privilege. I don't think I've earned that. I want to grow as a person and I want to be able to, like, get drafted and not have, like, anything bad looming over me. So I'm renouncing myself from the draft. The problem with that is the National Hockey League is different than all other leagues. You have the NBA where you can renounce yourself from the draft, I think up to before the team picks. Uh, same with the NFL. So like if I'm if I'm a football prospect and like I'm projected to go third overall and the third overall team is someone I hate, I can renounce myself right then and there, like minutes before the pick is made, I believe. So you have that. You have it even in like baseball where you can announce or renounce yourself the day before. But then you go into hockey 
And you can say you renounce yourself, but teams are still able to draft you. And that's what Montreal did, drafting Logan Mayu 30, 30th overall or 31st overall in the 2021 NHL entry draft. I was disappointed with it. Um, this kid obviously committed a terrible act, um, and I don't think he deserves to be getting a drafted and, you know, enjoy the thought of being drafted and just being on an NHL team. He should have been able to have that year to, you know, better himself, learn, and all that stuff. I'm disappointed in the Montreal Canadiens for making the pick. I'm disappointed as a fan because there's a lot of negative PR around my team now associated with that draft pick that they made. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's a stain on an organization that is typically all about class. You think about the Montreal Canadiens, you think about Maurice Richard, you think about Guy Lafleur, you think about Saku Koivu, these guys who are classy, who embodied like being a professional athlete and a captain and all this stuff. And then you draft this kid and it's like, bro, like, come on, what are you doing? And I'm disappointed in the Montreal Canadiens management for making that decision. I've seen some people saying like, oh, you shouldn't be a fan of that team because they made that pick. Listen, I was a huge PK Subban fan when PK got traded. A lot of people jumped the ship and were like, oh, I'm not cheering for Montreal anymore. PK got traded. I'm not the type of person to leave my loyalties to my my team just because they did something wrong. It is wrong. I don't agree with it and I don't support it, but I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm a Leafs fan now or oh, I'm a Seattle fan now. I'm sticking with my team through thick and thin, through the Stanley Cup finals that they just went through, but I don't agree with it. But here's one problem I have with the Logan Mayu pick, guys. It's not... This isn't a bone to pick with like the Montreal Canadiens. I'm very disappointed in them and I'm upset with them. I think the NHL should be embarrassed a bit that this happened. And they are. And Gary Bettman went on a radio show and was saying, I'm shocked that the Habs made this pick. I have two daughters and I can't believe they picked it. And he said all this stuff. But here's the thing, Gary Bettman. Why don't you do something about it? You can't obviously make Montreal really renounce the pick or whatever like that, but you can set an example and you can change it so that when an NHL prospect goes, I'm renouncing myself from the entry draft, they're actually renounced from the entry draft and teams can't pick them. That's an easy solution. It's a solution that works in every other major North American sports league, but the NHL doesn't have that because the NHL is dumb. I don't like Gary Bettman as a GM and this isn't an attack against him, but like, you're complaining that the Montreal Canadiens did this, then change the rules and change the entry draft policies and stuff that you can actually stop prospects from entering the draft if they don't want to be in the draft. That would avoid this colossal mess. And every other league around the North America does it. So Gary Bettman, you need to do better. The Montreal Canadiens and the management and everyone associated with that pick, you need to do better. I hope Logan Mayu learns from the situation it sounds like he does again could it be just pr talk of course could he be genuine of course no one really knows i hope he genuinely you know get, goes to counseling learns about what he did wrong learns about his mistakes and slowly becomes a better person before he becomes a better hockey player um he's gonna have to do a lot to win the trust over of montreal Canadiens fans and yeah man it's it's just a messy situation but you know what teams do stupid stuff sometimes Moving on to the first segment of our podcast tonight, um, we are going to be talking about the NHL offseason. And no, I'm not going to sit here for two goddamn hours and go through, this team did this, this team didn't do that, this team traded for this. I'm not going to go through that because I would be here for two hours and honestly, it would be a, it would be painful. It'd be really painful. What I'm going to go through though is I've, I've kind of looked at what all teams have done. I've talked to some people who I know who 
Some of them are smart about hockey. Some of them aren't smart about hockey, but their opinions are funny sometimes. <laughs> but anyways, I've come up with three winners and three losers so far as of August 4th in the NHL offseason. Of course, this is subject to change by the time the season starts. I mean, I could sit here and be like, oh, Montreal is a loser. And then they go acquire Jack Eichel. And it's like, okay, well, maybe not. So it really depends on what happens towards the end of the season. But as of right now, this is what I think. So we're going to start off with the winners because... The winners are the more entertaining ones. You, you, the losers, the, sorry, they're the less entertaining ones. You want to hear about the losers at the end, so I got to keep you guys waiting, so I'm going to do the winners first. So the first winner I have for the 2021 NHL offseason, I think this one's a bit of a no-brainer. I think it's New Jersey, you guys. Obviously, the big fish they got was Dougie Hamilton. Um, they were linked with him for a long time. It was basically sounding like it was almost a slam dunk took a little bit while it wasn't like a like it when free agency hits at 12 it wasn't like a 1201 signing it happened later in the day i think maybe even the next day but the new jersey devils did sign dougie hamilton it's a very very rich contract i think he's making 63 mil or plot north of that over seven years great contract for dougie hamilton and if i'm new jersey that's that's a home run right there that is a huge huge boost to their blue line you get a top five nhl defensemen both analytically and the eye test i mean dougie hamilton's a great defenseman i it was no secret i wanted him on montreal if they could fit him obviously it didn't seem like they work i got a consolation pride in or a consolation prize in david savart yay let's go but new jersey obviously hit a home run here with dougie hamilton but honestly like when you look at the moves they made they didn't lose anyone important because i mean they had so much cap space so they could just sign all their guys but they also drafted luke hughes now i know when we talk about offseason people don't really think about the draft but the draft's part of it they drafted luke hughes that moment in the on tv with luke hughes jack hughes and quinn hughes together was amazing um luke hughes and jack hughes were hugging each other and stuff and they were super ecstatic and quinn's over there like uh, yeah, cool. I'm I'm in Vancouver, which I'm sure Quinn loves it in Vancouver. But it was kind of kind of funny to see him by himself. Like, this is fine. I'm all alone, but it's okay. But Luke Hughes really does look like a really good player. He's gonna be playing alongside his brother Jack in a couple years, probably. Um, and like uh, those two additions, aside from that, there was no one noticeable. New Jersey lost. So for me, New Jersey, you are the top three winners of the offseason so far. That was a pretty obvious one, though, right, guys? Like, I mean, I think everyone I asked, like, hey, who's your top three winners of the offseason? Everyone had New Jersey. There's some other stuff about two or three, but there's some interesting ones um, coming up. But New Jersey was the solid slam dunk there. But moving on to the second one. Now, this one is going to be, I would say this is the most wild hot take one this is the one where people might be like eh, i don't know if i agree with you and then when we talk about it this will be a discussion um my second winner of the 2021 offseason is the boston bruins and i know you're like whoa you're a habs fan and you're saying boston what's wrong with you but i'm trying to look at this from an unbiased perspective i'm trying to sit here and go okay here's boston Let's see what they did. You look at what they did. The biggest losses they obviously had was their goaltending situation. They obviously lost to Garask and Yaroslav Halak um, to free agency. I think Halak's in Vancouver. And I think Tuka Rask isn't playing this year because it sounds like he's going to be out until February at the latest. Or at the earliest, I think, actually. Um, and, of course, the news was just announced a couple days ago. David Krejci is going to play in the Czech League. He's going home. He's obviously from the Czech Republic. So they're losing a huge hole. Uh, huge, they have a huge hole in their center depth now. But here's the thing. I think there's three moves here that makes Boston 
a winner in the offseason. Boston has always been the team that makes the playoffs, and they do good against Toronto. Sorry, Leafs fans, but like they have your number. But Boston always struggles because they had one line. Marchand, Bergeron, Pasternak. That's it. Like the, the saying was always, you shut down that line, you shut down the Bruins. And that was it for the most part. Obviously, I took a Rass bailed them out too, but their goalie of the future is now Linus Olmark. They got him from Buffalo, and I was kind of shocked when I looked this up. I looked up Linus Olmark's uh, Buffalo stats for last year. Guys, Olmark had a winning record and decent like goals against average and save percentage with the dumpster fire that is the Buffalo Sabres. That was kind of surprising to me. I was like, bro, I'm shocked like anyone could do decent in Buffalo. Like, let's be honest here. But I think he was injured a little bit last year, but he's a young goalie. They locked him up for five years. It looks like he's the goalie of the future. And I do think that Linus Allmark is going to do good um, given the team in front of him. You know, he's got good forwards there. He's got a solid decor behind or in front of him. I was going to say behind him, but technically in front of him. So, yeah, um, that's the one big move I like. But there's two other moves that I think have been a little underrated so far. And those two moves are, I believe it's Eric Halla and Nick Felino. Those two moves, I think, are really, really, really important for Boston as a team. And the reason why is because of what I just said earlier. Boston's always been that one-line team. And I know they lost Krejci, but you have Nick Foligno now who's going to fit in with that kind of team. Nick Foligno literally seems like the perfect fit for Boston. Eric Hall is a good player. You re-sign Taylor Hall. Like... You look at those moves, and it's like, okay, you lost some goaltending. You kind of replaced it a bit in Linus Allmark. Is he a bit more of a question mark than Tuka Rass? Probably. You lost Kreisky, which hurts, but you got three like solid middle six guys. Hall plays on your second line. Felino could probably play on your third line or second line. And Halla could probably play on your second line or third line. That's perfect for Boston. That's exactly what they needed. And I honestly think, out of all the teams in the Atlantic, I think they're the most improved, in my honest opinion. Now we'll move on to the final winner of the offseason. Now this one's a little bit different because they didn't acquire talent. They didn't acquire good players or like get signed good contracts or anything like that. They actually did the opposite, but in a perfect way. My third winner is the Arizona Coyotes. And I know everyone's like, bro, like literally Arizona just like unloaded everything. Like how the hell could that even be? Like how the hell are they a winner? Here's the thing. I like I think almost every NHL team thinks their fans are idiots. Now what I mean by that is like there's certain teams out there where like their GMs and their owners and their coaches will keep saying the same shit and their fans are out there like bro like we can read through the lies, we can read through the bullshit like we're not dumb. And I think Arizona has looked in the mirror and said listen We've had kicks at the can a couple times. This one obviously isn't working. Let's send a clear message of what we're going to be doing. Let's have a clear path forward. And I think that's all fans want. You look at teams like Ottawa. You look at teams like the Rangers. Well, the Rangers before last year, let's say. But you look at teams like the Rangers. They're open about the fact that they're tanking. They will offload um, they will take on bad contracts and get assets for that, and they'll develop young players and grow that way. And Arizona has taken the first big step towards that, and I honestly think they hit a home run in how they did it. Like, I'm being 100% honest, you guys. Arizona hit this out of the park. They're executing it brilliantly. They looked at their salary cap, and they were like, you know what, guys? I'm going to turn this cap space into a weapon, and I'm going to use it. And you look at the moves they did. Uh, Arizona now actually has, I'm going to pull it up here. 
And if you look at what Arizona has done so far in the moves they made in the players they've acquired, they've acquired Andrew Ladd from the Islanders, and they got assets to take on as ca uh, cap hit. They acquired Shane Gostisbehere from Philly. They acquired assets to take him. They acquired Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, and Antoine Roussel. They got, I believe it was the seventh. It was, it was, it was six to ten. I can't remember where Vancouver was picking. They got that pick from Vancouver. They got a couple other picks. They did give up, I believe it was Connor Garland in that trade. Garland Garland was a little bit good, but they also gave up a bad contract in Oliver Ekman Larson. He's the idea of a good defenseman, but his contract, he's getting eight point something mil or something. He hasn't worked out at all in Arizona and he's locked up for like six, seven more years. And if you look at that trade right there, Arizona goes, okay, you know what? We're going to take on $12 million in cap hit. We're going to take on $12 million in cap hit for you guys, but it lasts one year instead or in return, we want to give you guys a, a lesser cap hit of $8 million, but that lasts longer. So Vancouver gets salary relief now, but not in the future. Arizona takes on some salary now, but they're more open in the future as well. And you get assets for it. I mean, that's that's pretty solid. They obviously make the move as well. Um, trading, uh, it was uh, Darcy Kemper. Yes, it was Darcy Kemper over to the Colorado Avalanche, which by the way, he looks uh, interesting. He looks very interesting. But you look at next year's draft okay the 2022 nhl entry draft the shane wright draft everyone's calling it the arizona coyotes and this is not a typo i double checked this they have two first round draft picks which is great they have five second round draft picks they have so many draft picks if you go on cap friendly they have to stack them i've never seen them stacked before and on top of all of that the arizona coyotes also have um they have like way more picks like later on in the draft i think they have like 13 picks this year and there's like seven rounds that's insane and you consider a lot of those are in the top three rounds arizona listen i tip my hat off to you if you're a coyotes fan it's not easy to see your team tank and do terrible and be like we're taking on bad contracts because we suck it, it's not easy to sit there and like deal with that but at the end of the day like there is a plan in arizona there is a foundation laid out and a path to success and Obviously, with all those picks, Arizona needs to draft the right players, make the right moves and all that stuff. So that's part of the equation as well. But if you look at just the way they're starting off, Arizona is doing a fantastic job. Now, those were the winners. You guys, you know, gold medals. You guys are awesome. You had a great offseason. Now, we are going to talk about the three teams with the F grades. We're going to talk about the teams where if they brought their report card home to their parents, their parents would literally be like, I'm taking away your Xbox and taking away your phone and we're going to school right now to talk to your teacher. You would get in deep shit if you were one of these three teams and you were a general manager. And honestly, if you're in management in one of these three teams, I'd honestly be a little worried right now. So moving on to the first loser of the 2021 NHL offseason. First one for me, it's the Edmonton Oilers, you guys. I I like the Zach Hyman move that they brought in. I like bringing in Zach Hyman. You know, solidifies the top six. He's going to play good with McDavid or Dreisaitl or maybe even both of them. McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hyman. That's a very, very, very good first line. But aside from the Zach Hyman move, which in itself was a little risky because the term was a lot, Edmonton did not do that good at all. If you just look at the list of transactions they've done so far, you lose Adam Larson, which is a huge, huge blow to the Edmonton blue line, and you trade Ethan Bear for Warren Fogle. So you lose two pretty solid, you know, you get a younger guy in Ethan Bear, but you lose Adam Larson, who's a solid, reliable top four defenseman. Well, 
they obviously made some moves to replace these guys. Who did they replace them with, you might ask? Well, they replaced them with Tyson Berry, who I think is actually a good fit in Edmonton. He's a one-dimensional defenseman. He just plays offense. He's terrible defensively. But at least he's contributing in some way and in a good way offensively. Like, at least there's one aspect of his game he's good at. Then you have Duncan Keith, who they traded Caleb Jones and I think it was a pick for, which... I don't understand what Ken Holland is doing in Edmonton. That is some ridiculous stuff. And then you have Cody CC locked up to a multi-year deal, more than two. You look at the Edmonton blue line, and it is worse than last year's, the year they blew everything. But here's the here's the kicker, too. What was Edmonton's biggest problem? Obviously, you know, they ran into Winnipeg and got swept. Part of that problem was the goaltending. Guess what they did to do fix the goaltending? Not a single thing. They stuck with Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. It has been reported by Chris Johnson. I think he was on the Steve Dangle podcast. Apparently, there were talks of moving Koskinen. Apparently, Edmonton's running with him and Smith until like something happens. Well, here's a hint, Edmonton. Something's going to happen with those two. It's going to happen fix quick. And if you don't fix it, you guys are in some deep, deep, deep shit. But moving on to my second loser. And the, these three losers, I'm not going to say... There's like a one, two, three. I think they all like, like it's a tie, honestly, if I'm being honest. My second loser, and this one may surprise some people, but you got to look into it a little bit more. It is the Carolina Hurricanes, you guys. I know you're like, well, you know, Carolina was a good team. Like what, what, what did they do? Like, well, they obviously traded Warren Fogle for Ethan Bear. That was a decent acquisition for them. But if you look at everything else that the Carolina Hurricanes have done from the end of the Stanley Cup finals onwards... It is just mind-boggling, and everyone is confused with what the hell they're doing. First off, you lose Dougie Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton is a huge, huge blow, and it sucks. Dougie Hamilton is in New Jersey now, top five defenseman. Carolina really thought that Hamilton going to free agency, there wouldn't be the um, there wouldn't be the market for him, and he would come back to Carolina. No, nope, he's gone now. Then they sign they sign Anthony D'Angelo. Um, listen, I know I'm a Habs fan. I know the Logan Mayu pick was embarrassing. I don't understand how any team looks at Tony D'Angelo and goes, we're going to give this kid a shot. Tony D'Angelo has punched his own goalie when he was on the New York Rangers, got sent to the AHL. But before that, he's been on social media promoting, sorry, not promoting. I shouldn't say that. But it looks like allegedly he's been on social media and he's liked racist tweets. He's liked very controversial tweets. But controversial tweets are fine. But everyone needs to remember too. It's not just like like he supports Trump. I don't care if you support Trump. Like like I don't like him. Whatever. Whatever. As long as you're not a shitty human being. Tony D'Angelo was suspended twice in the Ontario Hockey League for using racial slurs. You combine that with the fact that he's punched his own goalie because he thought his goalie had a bad game and they got into an argument. You look at all these other things, and Tony D'Angelo is just an asshole. I don't understand why a team like Carolina would be like, yo, I want this guy. Let's put him on our team. I understand you lost Dougie Hamilton. That still doesn't justify this, though, if I'm being 100% honest. But those two moves are nothing compared to Carolina's goaltending problem. I know we're going to get into it here. So for those of you who don't know, Carolina had, uh, I think it was Peter Mrazek, and it was a young goalie by the name of, uh, what was it, Andre Nedeljkovic? I might be wrong on his first name. I know his last name is Nedeljkovic. If you think Nedeljkovic's name is familiar, that's because he was a Calder finalist this year. So you have a young goalie who was in the top three voting for rookie 
of the year. Okay. Then there is basically, you know, they're doing, he's an RFA, he's a restricted free agent. So they're doing contract talks and negotiations. Nadelkovich goes like, I want $3.5 million for like three years. Carolina goes, no, we'll give you 1.5. He goes, no. What does Carolina do? They trade him over to Detroit for a third round pick. It's Alex Nadelkovich. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But they trade Alex Nadelkovich to Detroit for Jonathan Bernier. And I think it was a third round pick or maybe even less. Here's the kicker. They didn't even re-sign Bernier. So they got rid of Nadelkovich, a Calder finalist young goaltender for a third round pick. Detroit instantly went, you want three point mil? Finger snap. Done. We got it. You're done. Welcome to Detroit. And great for Detroit. But that's only part of the goaltending equation. Obviously, Carolina, they lose in Delkovich. They're like, we need a goalie. Bernier signs in New Jersey. Shoot, we need a goalie. Um, let's look around. Let's look around. Darcy Kemper's available. Um, Tuka Rask is available. Yaroslav Salak available. Oh, Auntie Ranta. Uh, come on in and play uh, goal for us. All right, you know, solid backup option. Who's going to be their starter? Oh, yeah, Frederick Anderson from the freaking Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, don't get me wrong. I think, even though I'm a Habs fan... Frederick Anderson has the potential to be a top 10 goalie. Here's the problem. He is more inconsistent than when I ask my girlfriend what she wants to eat for dinner. He is up and down, up and down, left and right. This guy is the most inconsistent goalie in the NHL. And if I'm Carolina, you didn't want to pay Nadelkovich $3.5 million in a young Calder finalist goalie. And you go out and you get Antti Ranta, who's like, mm, and you get Frederick Anderson, who's, mm. You have two question marks in net now. If Carolina does not get goaltending, they're going to miss the playoffs, and that team is going to be a mess. Also, just a side note before I switch to the final team, um, Andre Svechnikov still RFA. So, uh, Carolina, you might not want to lowball him. You lost uh, you lost Nadelkovic. You lost Hamilton because of low balls. You might not want to lowball Andre Svechnikov. Just saying. Moving on to the final loser, though, and I think this is one where a lot of people are going to be like, what? Really? Guys, I think Seattle. I think Seattle didn't do that good this off season. Now I know everyone's like, okay, well, what the hell? They just got those three big free agents. They got Wenberg, they got Larson, they got uh, Philip Grubauer from Colorado. Obviously, there's one other player I'm forgetting. There's one other big acquisition they got. But anyways, they did good in free agency in terms of acquiring um, players. Wenberg was good. Um, Grubauer, I'm a little bit iffy on because. He was on a really, really good Colorado team when he had that Vesna year. If he can play like that, great. If he dips like a decent chunk, that contract would look a little rough, if I'm being honest. So I like I liked the shorts. It was Jaden Schwartz. That's it. I like the moves. I like those moves. Grubauer, a bit of a question mark. But I look at Seattle, and I go, okay. I look at the expansion draft, and I go, okay. You pick Kale Fleury. They picked some smart picks. Kale Fleury is a smart pick. They picked some really good players. They picked, I think it was 8 out of 30, 30 picks that I personally saw that I was like, I've never heard of that guy before. And I'm not like the know-it-all hockey fan, but I know a decent amount about other NHL teams. I had no idea who 8 of the 30 players were. So I go in my head like, yeah, okay, well, there must have been like trades, like, you know, like, hey, like... Uh, Philadelphia. I asked my Flyers friend, who the hell did they pick from the, Fly- I've, the Flyers? I've never heard of this guy. My friend goes, I'm a diehard Flyers fan. I've watched every game. I have no idea who that is. So when you hear something like that, you go, okay, well, Philadelphia must have paid them a second round pick not to touch Voracek or one of their guys or something. Seattle 
made zero draft consideration expansion trades. And here's the kicker. I understand teams this time around were scared because they saw what happened with Vegas. They saw teams that traded like, hey, like, we'll give you this young guy if you don't take this guy. And then they got screwed over. Like they gave, I think uh, Pittsburgh gave Vegas a second and flurry. Uh, to not pick Murray, that clearly hasn't worked out that well. I understand teams were like, yo, like Seattle, I'm not going to offer you that much. I'm not going to, you know, I- I'm skeptical about doing trades. But there were trades out there. For example, if Carey Price didn't waive his no-move clause, Montreal wanted to, like, avoid losing Jake Allen. They probably would have been like, yo, Seattle, here's a second, here's a third, don't take Jake Allen. The problem with what Seattle and Ron Francis did is the prices they were asking for were exorbitant for jake allen to protect jake allen they went to montreal and they said i this is confirmed from people i know they said we want a first and a third i'm sorry but jake allen one is not worth that second that price is ridiculous just to protect a player and third off it clearly shows because seattle picked eight crappy picks and nobody knew who they were and they got no assets for that and i understand like you know okay maybe a first and third is a month or is a bit much but why don't you just go like okay give us a second we call it a deal when it's coming really close towards the draft get something if you're gonna pick shitty players because you want to have a lot of cap space why not get something for it i don't understand how seattle does that like yeah we want a lot of cap space i'm ron francis i want cap space bro like how hard was it to like pick a four million dollar player instead of a one million dollar player I'm not saying go get Carey Price and Tarasenko, but like if you're picking someone who's worth like a million dollars and they have a solid option available for four million dollars, why not pick the four million dollar option? You had $81.5 million in cap space. I'm pretty sure as of right now, Seattle still has a ridiculous um, amount of cap space. I like I, I'm pretty sure if we look at salary cap friendly right here, Seattle still has $60 million in cap space. You could have literally taken on an extra $10 million and still had really, really good cap space. So Seattle, you take the final spot as the losers of the offseason. Shame on you three teams, especially you, Seattle. I don't understand how you didn't get any assets for picking those players. Do better next time, please. And now we move on to the next part of our podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And we are going to be talking about the poor soul stuck in Buffalo. That is Jack Eichel. Yes, Jack Eichel is that guy. He's stuck. He's lonely. Someone get him out of there, please. So for those of you who don't know, Jack Eichel still hasn't officially requested a trade, but it's obviously clear him and Buffalo aren't going to be a fit, and he still hasn't been traded. And this situation has turned into a disaster for the Eichel camp and for the Sabres camp, but it's an embarrassment for the Sabres as well. I don't care how anyone else puts it. I don't understand how Buffalo hasn't traded this kid already, if I'm being 100% honest. A lot of uh, reporters and analysts predicted he'd be moved at the entry draft because that's when you can see where picks are and you get like a real value of like, okay, this first rounder is worth 12. Like, let's trade and all this stuff. But he didn't get moved. I was shocked he didn't get moved at the, uh, the entry draft, if I'm being honest. But from what it sounds like, at least from what I'm seeing, it sounds like a lot of teams are going, you know what, Buffalo, you want first you want four first rounders which is the asking price for Dak Eichel the equivalent of four first rounders I'm I'm not giving you that I'm sorry and those four first rounders you guys aren't like okay we don't want four picks they want like two first round picks and they want like two first round equivalent players so like if it was Montreal they'd want two first like a Jesse Nolan who's a very good prospect and like a Kakanyemi that's what they would want from Montreal something like that I think that's bizarre it seems like a lot of GMs think that's bizarre and I think 
that's a strong reason why Jack Eichel hasn't been traded. And unfortunately for Jack Eichel, if you look at what Buffalo just got for Rasmus Ristolainen, which is an absolute steal, you got like Robert Haig a first and two seconds. That's that's unbelievable. And I think just that, like the Buffalo GM is just going to be sitting there and you're just going to be like, hey, you know what? I'll stick with my four first. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to bud. You know what? Someone will pay it eventually, which sucks. But you know what? Jack Eichel, just hang in there, buddy. You got this. But here's the interesting news. The Jack Eichel saga, we'll call it, has gotten so bad that Jack Eichel's agent has issued the following statement as of July 30th. It's five days ago, guys. So I'll read the whole quote and then I'll get it. I'll dive a bit more into it. So. In response to the Sabre statement regarding being in control of the process, Jack Eichel under contract and any other comments, we offer the following response. The process is not working. As previously stated, we fully anticipated a trade by the start of the NHL free agency period. After the agreed upon and prescribed period for conservative rehabilitation lapsed in early June 2021, it was determined by the Sabres medical staff that a surgical procedure was required. The recommendation by Jack's independent neurosurgeon, other spine specialists consulted, and the surgery Jack feels most comfortable having in order to correct a herniated disc in his neck to proceed with artificial disc replacement surgery which is the surgery he needs a further point of concern is that our camp was initially under the impression that the sabers specialist was in agreement with the artificial disc surgery until that was no longer the case what is being left out of this discussion and here's the juicy bit is that jack eichel would be able to play in the national hockey league for the start of the 2021 2022 nhl season pending medical clearance if he were allowed to have surgery he desires even as of this date which is july 30th when this was posted repeated requests have been made to the saber since early june to no avail this process is stalking jack stopping jack from playing in the nhl and it is not working holy mac and cheese balls you guys um what's crazy to me about that whole thing is like i was under the impression that this surgery was going to be like bro you're out for a while you can't play for long like it sucks but that's just that's the situation jack sorry if he could have the surgery july 30th and be ready in october why has buffalo not why why is buffalo not just said get the damn surgery I understand before there was the whole like, oh, well, we don't want you to have the surgery. Our guys don't recommend it and all that stuff. Jack Eichel is not going to be a Buffalo Sabre by the end of next year. Who cares? If he thinks the surgery is best for him, let him get the surgery and get him out of there. I don't understand why it's taking so long. And to me, honestly, this reminds me of Matt Duchesne in Colorado. For those of you who may have not been around for that, like everyone was saying Duchesne was getting traded and it took like I think up to like the first like ten games of the season before he got traded, and Colorado just kept holding on, holding on, holding on, holding on. And the thing for me is like, why not just trade this kid? My the hockey news Matt Larkin uh, tweeted this, and I, I agree with this perfectly. Uh, one thing I don't understand: if the Sabers know Jack Eichel won't play for them again anyways, and he needs to be healthy to have maximum trade value. Why not let him have the surgery he wants? Why not let him have the surgery he wants and go, hey, this is the surgery. Here you go. We want our four, our four firsts now. 
I could see a team willing to pay, maybe not for a first, but something close to that if they're like, okay, Jack got what he thinks is best. He's got the surgery he thinks is best, and now he's going to be coming back as like as close to normal as possible. Here's another thing about the Buffalo Sabres and this whole Jack Eichel situation, though. I, I mentioned it earlier when I was talking about like management, GMs, and coaches of teams acting like their fans are idiots. I think Buffalo takes the cake with that because... I've spoken to a couple Buffalo Sabres fans and I've looked on social media and guys, Sabres fans are freaking tired. They're literally sitting here and they're like, okay, what's life like as a Buffalo Sabres fan? Well, I went through a rebuild in the early 2010s and I'm about to go through my second rebuild. Wow. Being a Buffalo Sabres fan sucks, but I'm going to stick with my team because I'm loyal. Wow, I just saw Sam Reinhart get traded. Wow, I just saw Rasmus Ristolainen get traded. They are stripping the core and they're trading it. Jack Eichel's been traded. Oh, no, Jack Eichel's still here. I don't understand why you would just, like, like, just get rid of him. Just get rid of him for your fans' sake, honestly. You will, fans will be more happy if you just get rid of this and that way they don't have to sit there and hear from their friends, hi, Buffalo, like, Jack Eichel still wants to leave. He hasn't gone yet. The sooner you rip the Band-Aid off, the sooner this will get easier for the Buffalo Sabres and their fans. Even if Buffalo is not going to be a good team, you don't need to get Matthews and Marner for Eichel. Just get whatever futures you have to get, get the max value you can, and just stop dragging this on your fan base. They've suffered enough. They're going through their second goddamn rebuild. Buffalo Sabres, trade Jack Eichel, and save your fans more pain. Please and thank you. I honestly think Eichel is not going to play more than three to five games. I think he might play a couple preseason games, maybe the start of the regular season, but I think after that, he's going to be gone by then. I just think he has to be gone by then, right? Like, I, I can't see him playing for Buffalo. One thing I can tell everyone for sure, though, is that the Buffalo Sabres are going to finish at the bottom of the 2021-2022 Atlantic Division standings. Now, why am I talking about the Atlantic Division, you might ask? Well... I am now going to sit here and predict the entire division for you guys so that when the season ends, you can come back to me and go, Rahil, you're a fucking idiot. You're a dumbass. You don't deserve to learn about hockey, let alone talk about it. And your takes were horrible. So strap in, get ready to tweet me, text me, call me and tell me I'm an idiot because here are my rankings and I'll give you some reasoning. At least I'm not just going to go through them. Here are my rankings over how I think the Atlantic division is going to um, finish. A lot of people are saying they think Ottawa makes the playoffs this year. Um, I I do think Ottawa is going to improve. However, I don't think they're better than certain teams in the league. And here's why. From 8th to 1st, I believe the Atlantic division is going to go 8th seed is Buffalo Sabres. The 7th seed is the Detroit Red Wings. The sixth seed is the Ottawa Senators. The fifth seed is the Montreal Canadiens. Fourth is Florida. Third is Toronto. Second is Boston. And Tampa takes number one. Now, I'm going to go from bottom to top. So I'll talk about Buffalo. I'll talk about Detroit. And we'll move up slowly. So I'll, I'll explain a bit more about Ottawa when I get there. Buffalo. Everything I just said about Jack Eichel. Thank you for listening. <laughs> no, on a serious note, I mean... Buffalo is going to be tanking this year. They're going to be going. They're going to be entering their second rebuild. They're going for the Shane Wright draft pick, the number one overall pick. Honestly, I don't know what it is in Buffalo that just didn't work out this time. They've traded two of their three main pieces. Risto's gone. Um, 
Sam Reinhardt's gone, and obviously Eichel's still sitting there, but I think Eichel's going to be gone. Um, they obviously drafted Owen Power first overall, Mississauga boy. Shout out Mississauga. But he is not going to be playing in the NHL this year. This year he has devoted himself to the University of Michigan. So Buffalo doesn't have Owen Power. They've lost Ristolainen. They've lost Reinhardt. They're probably going to lose Eichel. I just can't see them finishing higher than any other team in this division. I think they're going to finish eighth, and I think they're going to be a lottery team for sure this year. Seventh, though, moving up a little bit, I have Detroit. Um, I do like some of the moves they've made. I like the Nadelkovich trade. I think he's a good young goalie, and he's their goalie of the future. Sign him to a decent deal as well, um, and that's going to look good for them. However... Although they have really good pieces, I mean, Detroit has Dylan Larkin, it has Jakob Rana, two guys I'm really, really high on. I love those guys. It's still Detroit. They're still in the process of rebuilding their team. It's not playoff team yet. They're not a lottery team. I think they're kind of in that like middle of like, we're not a lottery team, but we're missing the playoffs consistently. Um, and the one thing that I think sums it up for Detroit fans is they re-signed Mark Stahl for a year contract. That year contract is basically going to be a deadline move, if we're being honest. Um, so, Detroit, you're going to be in uh, seventh spot, I think. Now, the sixth spot. Shout out my boy, Super Senator. Super Senator, this is for you. In sixth place in the Atlantic Division, I have the Ottawa Senators. Now, the Ottawa Senators had a very, very good final stretch of 2020-2021. They were playing really good. They were playing well under their coach. They looked like a good team. I think they build off that, and I think Ottawa will be an improved team this year. Stutzla has a year of experience. You got guys like Kachuk, who's still unsigned, unfortunately, but Kachuk's there. You got Batherson. You got Brandstrom. They have so many good young guys, and I think those guys, you know, they have an extra year under the belt, and I think that's going to help. And I think Ottawa's going to improve, and Ottawa's going to be a good team. However, Ottawa's young players, you know, if they're able to grow, they're going to be in. Here's the thing. Ottawa's young players aren't superstars. They're growing to that potential, but the key word is the Ottawa Senators players are still growing. They're still learning, and it's going to get better, but I don't think it's going to be as good as a lot of people are saying. Some people are saying, oh, Ottawa could sneak into the playoffs, and they very well could. I still think they finished sixth. Um, another reason why I think Ottawa won't finish higher is I think I think they could pass Montreal, if I'm being honest. I think Mont they could pass Montreal probably. They need goaltending for sure. I mean, Matt Murray's a bit of a question mark. I mean, they definitely need a goaltender there. But I think all the teams above them, um, Montreal, Florida, Toronto, Boston, and Tampa, I think those five teams are better than Ottawa. Um, Montreal kind of regressed a little bit, but I still think Montreal's a better team. Might be a bit of bias there. However, I have the Ottawa Sanders finishing sixth in the Atlantic Division. Now, moving on to fifth, I have the Montreal Canadiens. Yes, yes, yes. The Habs fan has the Habs missing the playoffs. Here's the thing. I'm looking at this realistically. And it seems like a lot of people don't like what Montreal did this offseason. Logan Mayu pick aside, I hated that pick. I really liked what Montreal did in free agency. The two big pieces they've lost are Philippe Deneau, who is now in Los Angeles. Um, personally, I'm glad Montreal didn't sign into that contract. It's a lengthy term. Pretty big AAV for a third-line center. And let's be honest, Suzuki, Kakanyemi are the centers of the future for the Montreal Canadiens. 
you'd be paying 5.5 mil for a third line center. That's just that's just not worth it if I'm Montreal and I'm Mark Bergevin. The other big loss for Montreal is Shea Weber. Um, it looks like he's going to miss this season, and it's going to be really – there's a very, very big concern that he may never play again, which it sucks. I feel terrible for Shea Weber, and honestly, like, standings and everything aside, Shea Weber's an absolute beast, an ultimate warrior. He's the kind of player who, like – would be in pain and he would just keep playing and just fight through it because he's that type of teammate. People around him love them and losing him in the locker room is going to be a huge blow for the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal also obviously lost Corey Perry, not as significant of a blow, but another veteran that's gone. Um, I do think like, you know, if uh, Shea Weber's out, I do think uh, Gallagher is likely going to be the next uh, captain. I don't think it's going to be this year. I think it'll be next year. Um, and I like what Montreal did this offseason. I like that they brought in David Savard to try and not replace Shea Weber, but help as a committee replace Shea Weber. You look at um, Shea Weber, you can't replace him at all, but what you can try to do is have your defense um, as a committee try and replace him. Petrie steps up, and if David Savard's a good shutdown defenseman, that kind of helps a bit. still sucks. But it helps a bit. And I love the Mike Hoffman acquisition for Montreal. There was one thing I was very critical about them during the playoffs is whenever they were on the power play and their power play wasn't that good until late. Um, you have guys like Toffoli, you have Suzuki, you have Caulfield, you have Weber, you have Gallagher, you have Perry, you have Josh Anderson. They had so many right-handed options that it was very easy for teams to cheat on that side on the one-timer side. Because when you're on the power play... Basically, every team sets up for one-timers, right? So the righties go to the left, the lefties go to the right. Well, it's so easy to just cover the righties because, like, there's almost no lefties for the one-timer. The only players Montreal really had during the offseason was, like, Romanov when he played there and caught Kniemi, which isn't much. Now, Montreal is going to get a boost back with Jonathan Drouin coming back, and I am very, very excited as a Montreal Canadiens fan to see Jonathan Drouin Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. I think that is going to be a fantastic line. And I think Duran has the potential to thrive off that line and really reach his potential. I'm really happy to hear he's doing wonderful in terms of his health and everything, his mental health. But I like that too. But Mike Hoffman, back to Mike Hoffman. Sorry, I got carried away. He is a very good power play player. He is terrible five on five. He'll score a couple goals, but he's not a scoring chance creator. He's a finisher. That's what Montreal needs. I spoke to a St. Louis Blues friend. Uh, her name is uh, Leah or Leah. Shout out Leah. Um, and she was like, honestly, Hoffman's a beast on the power play. And I'm pissed we lost him. If you play him the right spot, give him the right minutes, he will help your power play and he will score a lot of goals. I think since 2015, he is top five in power play goals uh, amongst NHL players, which is insane. So I love all the moves from Montreal. Duran coming back, Hoffman. I love Savard. Problem is is you look at everyone ahead of Montreal. You look at Florida, who, if Florida has the goaltending they should have, they're better than Montreal because they've improved. You look at Toronto. Toronto, I don't think, had the best offseason, but Toronto is so star power full that they're better than you. You look at Boston and the moves they made, they're better than you. You look at Tampa, they just beat you in the finals. They're obviously better than you. So I think Montreal improved but i think the rest of the league the division improved along with them so i think the four teams above them are better however if florida doesn't get the goaltending they need to get i wouldn't be surprised to see montreal sneak into that four spot maybe so that's an option there as well fourth overall though you guys i have the florida panthers so with florida their offseason was spectacular i i excuse me i really liked what they did 
Um, they re-signed Sam Bennett and Carter Verhage, which were two key pieces to them in the regular season. Sam Bennett um, was like miserable in Calgary, and it looks like he's found his home and found his like found his belonging in Florida. He's done great. He's over a point per game for them, I think, including playoffs, which is unbelievable. Um, they signed him to a decent contract as well. Then obviously Carter Verhage as well, solid middle six option. But then they go out and add Sam Reinhardt. So now you have Barkov, you have Huberto, you have Sam Bennett, you have Carter Verhage, and you have Sam Reinhardt. That is, if those five guys are in your top six, that is unreal. And me as a Habs fan, I'm like, oh my God, these guys are going to score on us a lot. I'm not looking forward to playing Florida. Now, this is the asterisk for Florida. They lost uh, Chris Dredger to uh, Florida, or not to Florida. They lost him to Seattle, obviously to Seattle. They're Florida. But if Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight, and it sounds like Spencer Knight may get the run and Bobrovsky is going to be the backup, which is interesting, $10 million backup. I don't know how I feel about that. But if you're running one of those, if those goalies play the way they're supposed to play, Florida's a top four team, easy. They have the chance to push for three or two. I don't think anyone's beating Tampa. But... I really like what they did. As long as Florida receives goaltending, they're going to be fine. Um, next up above Florida, I have Toronto finishing above them. Now, here's the thing. Yes, my Montreal Canadiens beat Toronto. We pulled off the comeback, whatever. And Toronto loses Hyman and McCann, which I'm I, I'm shocked they let McCann go. Um, I would have protected him and exposed Kerfoot, in my opinion. But hey, like I'm not the I'm not freaking. Um, Kyle Dubas or whatever his name. I totally blanked on. Yeah, Kyle Dubas. I'm not him. I'm sure he knows what he's doing. So um, they didn't really improve at all, though. I mean, they lost Jared McCann. They kept Kerfoot. You lose Hyman. And the moves Toronto's made as of right now, there's nothing that says to me, wow, that's a good move. That's a good move. It's all like bottom six, like, eh, okay, sure. Depth. But like, I don't even know who these guys are moves. So as concerning as that is, the Peter Morazic signing, I think, is going to be decent as long as Morazic plays good. And they're going to be running with that 1A1B combo. They're going to have Jack Campbell and Peter Morazic. And I think that's a solid combo. Um, Campbell gets some rest, it looks like, because you can play Morazic and stuff. If they run Campbell a lot, I'd be concerned as a Toronto fan because he's shown he can he's, he's susceptible uh, to injuries, which is a huge concern for me. But listen... I know the jokes about Toronto, ha, choke, whatever, whatever, whatever. They are still a superstar heavy team. Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander. You have those four guys on your team. And if I'm a Leafs fan, like I, I, anything lower than third would be a disappointment to me. Just given the raw talent and raw star power on this team. So second in the Atlantic, I have the Boston Bruins. Now this one's a bit of a surprise to most people because everyone's like, bro, like they lost Rath, they lost Krejci. Why do you have Boston up there? So I spoke about earlier. I think Boston was a winner this offseason. I think they made some great moves. They obviously lost Rath, but Rask is injured anyway, so it's not like he's on another team. They lost Halak, who's on uh, Vancouver. That was a little bit of a blow. But they bring in Linus Allmark, who really does look like this guy is going to be a really, really good goalie. You put him behind a decor behind Boston and a team like Boston, and I think this goaltender could really surprise people and turn some heads. I honestly do think that Boston's the most improved team in the division. Um, you look at Nick Foligno. You look at Eric Halla. Those are two moves to shore up the middle six for a team that has always been known as a one-line team. And I really like that. And, like, I even, like, Taylor Hall as well. Like, I really do think that 
Boston improved their middle middle depth. Their D still solid. Their goaltending is a little bit of a question mark. But I think as long as he plays good, I have Boston finishing second in this division. And then first, of course, I have to have Tampa Bay. Shocker. I know. No one saw that coming. Oh, my God. Now, a lot of people think Tampa is going to regress a bit. And I do agree. I think Tampa is going to suck a little bit more than usual because, you know, they're losing. They lost Andy Gore to Seattle. Barkley Goudreau and Blake Coleman are also gone. That's that's literally their entire third line, and they had one of the best third lines in hockey. That is not easy to replace. They obviously brought in Corey Perry. They brought in Zach Bogosian as well to shore up the defense. They made some small depth moves here and there, which is nice. However, if I'm Tampa Bay, like you just won the Stanley Cup. You have Stamkos. You have Point. You have Hedman. You have Vasilevsky. And Kucherov's going to be back this year healthy during the regular season unless they do some cat bs again you look at you look at tampa and you're, it's just obvious that they're a first place team if i'm i don't know maybe it's just because we i lost to them in the finals and it's recency bias i don't see how any team in this division can like pass tampa now ladies and gentlemen tonight is going to be a shorter podcast episode i apologize hockey season is boring right now it's august you guys but we're going to move on to our podcast segment you guys um, where we talk about our hot takes and I have you guys submit some questions um, that you would like to see me answer. So the first one comes from Brendan. With the Kraken being such big players in free agency, where do you see the team finishing now? So this is a bit of a... I have to like like say something before I make my prediction. Um, the Pacific Division, which is the division the Seattle Kraken are in, is the worst division in hockey. Like, like, and I, I mean that nicely. Like, I mean that honestly. There's Vegas, obviously Seattle. Then there's Anaheim, who sucks. LA, who sucks. San Jose, who sucks. Vancouver, who sucks. Edmonton, who sucks. And Calgary, who sucks. I'm sorry. I don't see how that division's any better than any other division. I think it's it's brutal, if I'm being 100% honest. Um, but I sit there and I look at Seattle and I go, I think they're a playoff team. Um, just because I don't think Anaheim makes it. I don't think LA makes it. I don't think San Jose makes it. So right there, that's four spots and there's five teams. I could see Seattle making it. However, you know, Calgary, are they going to regress? Who knows? Edmonton. I don't know. Vancouver. I don't know. Vegas is the only one spot. So really there's four. Three spots for four teams. And they have to beat out those three Canadian teams. I think Seattle beats out at least two of them. And I think Seattle's going to finish in the top four. Um, if you're asking me to pick a spot, probably third. Um, I think maybe Edmonton or Calgary or Vancouver, one of those teams is going to be better than them. Um, maybe just be hotter or something. But I definitely do think uh, Seattle's going to be a playoff team in the next uh, upcoming season. The next question comes in from uh, Mr. RCB. What is the worst move slash signing? That has currently happened during free agency, in your opinion. So this is this is a tough one because there's a lot of bad ones out there. Like if you think about it, like what Carolina did with their goaltender was terrible. You look at like yeah, there's a ton, honestly there's a, there's a ton of them out there. If I had to sit though, and you had to you, like you know gun to my head, Rahil, you have to sit there and pick one that you think is the worst contract. Or the worst, like, move? I think the Duncan Keith trade, if I'm being honest. At least with the other tr- signings, it's players who have potential. 
you know, maybe they're in their 30s. Duncan Keith is literally at the end of his career. And you trade away Caleb Jones, who's a very solid young defenseman. You know, he's not good offensively, but he's a really, really great um, defensive defenseman. And you throw a third-round pick in there as well to get Duncan Keith for what? Veteran leadership? Like, like oh, he helps. Uh, he's won Stanley Cups before, and, oh, he, he'll be a veteran. Go get an assistant coach then. I don't understand how you trade those assets for a defenseman who's on the verge of retirement. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he retires before, you know, he's done playing in Edmonton before his contract's up. Uh, but the final question from my man, Super Senator 92 What should the Ottawa Senators offer Brady Kachuk? Now, this is a bit of an interesting one. For those of you who don't know, Brady Kachuk is still a restricted free agent right now. Um, and for me, it's it's really tough. You have to look at his stats here, and you have to look at players coming out of their entry level contracts. You look at you know his three years in the NHL. He had in eighteen nineteen he had twenty two goals, twenty three assists. Year after he had twenty one goals, twenty three assists. The year after he had seventeen goals, nineteen assists. Now I think part of what you they should sign him for depends on what he wants to do. If Brady Kachuk goes to the Ottawa Senators and goes, I want my big payday in a couple years. Um, give me a bridge. Then you offer him a bridge deal. I think a bridge deal for Brady Kachuk is best for Ottawa right now. However, if he goes in and he's like, I want the eight-year contract. For me, if you're buying up his UFA years and all that kind of stuff, I think you have to at least go seven, in my opinion. Seven mil, eight years at minimum. Um I know people may think that's a little high for a player who hasn't scored that much. He's a very good shot uh, generator. He's a very, you know, he's a feisty. He's a feisty guy as well. Um, and I think you have to offer him a decent amount of money if you want to make him stay and go through this rebuild. Because, like, there's been rumors of St. Louis. There's been rumors of other teams throwing an offer sheet at him. And, like, if you offer him that bridge, he may re- hit really close to unrestricted free agency and go, I just want to be a free agent and just go somewhere else, honestly. And then that would suck for Ottawa. So I think you got to look at this if you're the Sanders and try your best to maybe lock him in for as long as you can. And that's going to cost you. I think you have to go at least seven. Um, anything more than that? I don't know. Should the Bruins final question, should the Bruins bring back Rask? That is an interesting one. Um, it's obviously possible. I don't know if Boston has the cap for it though. Boston right now has a million dollars in cap space. And I think that's the problem. I don't think they can afford it. I don't think they can afford it because, like, you've signed all Mark. You know, you have all your defensemen locked up. You have everyone locked up. But, like, you look at next year. You have to think ahead. Like, if you sign him for a one-year deal, Ross is going to want at least two. And if you sign him for a two-year deal, then he's taking up salary when next year Boston has $21 million cap space. But they need to sign Jakob Zaboral, Charlie McAvoy, uh, Carson Kuhleman, Curtis Lazar, Craig Smith, or Jake DeBrus, sorry, and Patrice Bergeron. I think Tuka Rask, it sounds like he doesn't want to play this year because he's going to be injured. Um, I I think you just run with Allmark in a backup and maybe maybe sign a veteran as a third goalie. And then you go from there. I don't know. It could be Rask. But like if he's not playing till January or February, I don't know if I would risk it, honestly. 
And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of this episode of the Chocolate Milk Podcast. I want to thank you all for listening. Again, apologies that it's a little bit of a shorter one. August hockey doesn't go well together. Um, I'm going to be posting these bi-weekly now every two weeks, every two to three weeks, depending on how much news there is and stuff. Um, Once the season picks up, though, this will be a regular weekly occurrence. Um, And stay tuned. Have some guests on maybe the next episode just to help give me some content. Thank you so much for listening. Again, Chocolate Milk Podcast is a Shape by Sports production, so don't forget to check out Shape by Sports. Thank you so much, you guys, for listening. Take care, and hopefully Jack Eichel gets traded very soon.